Last week we started uh, this marriage series, and uh, we talked about really the kind of the first things to talk about in the marriage, in, in your marriage. Uh, what are the pieces to having a God-honoring and thriving marriage? And we talked through the first piece is the foundation of marriage, which is the Bible, and what kind of how God says this foundation for marriage is, which is a foundation of covenant. This foundation of covenant leads to safety because a, a contract, if the foundation of your marriage is a contract, which means uh, I saw a TV show the other day and uh, one of the characters said this and it just jumped out at me. She, uh, her and her spouse were fighting and she said, I want the person that I married 10 years ago. She told them that's a contract based marriage, which means if you change at all, in the 30 years that we're married, 50 years that we're married, then the contract's over, it's null and void, and I can get out. That contract-based marriage is the wrong foundation. It's a worldly foundation. It's a faulty foundation. God's foundation, His Word, is a foundation of covenant in our lives. That's the foundation for marriage. Now, the fountain for marriage is the gospel. Because, yes, the foundation is God's Word, but if you're like me, I constantly fall over and over and over and over. And so the fountain, the, the wellspring, the, the, the source of the marriage has to be the gospel. That, that Jesus came near to save a sinner like me so that two sinners in a marriage could be reconciled to God and to each other. That's the fountain for marriage. And last, if we talk about the first piece in a marriage, is the focus of our marriage. Which is not just our happiness or even having kids. It is the glory of God that our marriage, as Paul says in Ephesians 5, in some mysterious way is a picture of Christ and his love for the church. And that every day you go out and you show off this little display to the world, this, this picture of the world of God's glory in your marriage. That is the focus of our marriage. Today our, our topic, it's a fun topic, is uh, sin in marriage. So I've been married, I said last week, about eight and a half years. And I believe this, uh, to my wife this, others this all the time. Uh, Tracy is the best gift God has ever given me on this earth. It's, it's not even close. Uh, she is the best thing that has ever happened to me. I love her with my whole heart. She's my best friend. She's my favorite person. I, I like her when I like y'all. All those things are true. But here's what's also true. There is no one in this world, it's going to sound rough, that um, I am harsher to than my wife, right? So, so Tracy, I got my, we got married, and you know, first I have no hair. And so like getting ready is like a shower, it's brushing teeth, it's some deodorant, and then I'm good to go. It's like a 10-minute process. And I've been single for 30 years, and I've been used to that kind of time frame for getting ready to go to places, right? And you get married, and the whole thing changes. The idea of getting ready and the time, and it is unreal, even to this weekend. Um, how do I say this? Uh, as you, and when you're a pastor or when you're around people, people let you down all the time. That becomes part of life. It becomes normal. Um, and I never show that I am let down by anybody in our church, for example, or even like a friend in my life. 
but it, God forbid my wife straightens her hair for five minutes longer than I expect. The worst parts of my tone, of my body language, of my words come out. And this is not a one-time thing is what I'm saying. This is, a, this is really a habitual pattern in my life. And uh, I am wired, I am gifted uh, with the gift of speaking words of affirmation. Like, I'm just clear on that. That is what God has always kind of gifted me with. Um, and the one who gets that the least is my wife. And the one who needs that the most is my wife. And here is the reason why. And it's not a secret. It's not a, a new thing. But it's this big, capital, bold face letters. It is sin. It is the sin in my heart that is the biggest problem in my marriage. The sin in your life and in your heart is the biggest problem in your marriage. So the question that we're going to start with today, and it's going to be, there's not going to be a ton of content today because this is a heavy topic. But the question is, how do we battle this sin in our marriage? The first is to own your sin. You have to, how many times do we do this, right? We uh, get in a relationship, we get married, we come home from work. You know what's unbelievable? How easy it is to be loving to my wife when I'm not around her. I am the best texter in the world. Oh, I love you. I can't wait to see you. And then we get home and tension hits, right? Well, this wasn't done. Well, the kid's homework's not done. Well, food's not ready. We have this to do. The tension hits, right? And we tend to do is lash out because they sinned against us. They did not meet our needs. Because what, what happens there, the sin that's coming up is this idea that we believe in a subtle way that we are God, right? And that our spouse should serve us. And when they don't serve us, we just lash out with all of our godness and our power, right? With our wrath. And it causes problems. Go to 1 Timothy real quick. We're going to read this verse from Paul. Paul's writing here to Timothy. This is close to the end of Paul's life. And this one verse, and Paul kind of has this theme throughout his letters, but this one verse, you see it very clearly. And it's this great picture of Paul's self-awareness and Paul's humility. And I want to remind you this time, Paul had planted all these churches, written half the New Testament, was like one of the greatest apostles that we know. And Paul writes this in verse 15 in, in 1 Timothy 1. The saying is trustworthy, which means he believes this. This is, this is a trustworthy thing to say and believe and deserving of full acceptance. That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. We could stop right there. We would all in this room say yes and amen. Look at my spouse. He came to save my spouse, this terrible sinner. But Paul has this last little thing. Of whom I am the foremost. Paul, the great apostle, the great church planter, the writer of half the New Testament, towards the end of his life, says, I am the foremost of sinners. And what you see in Paul here is this picture of self-awareness and humility that is so huge for us to grasp in the context of our marriage. It's so important. When we don't own our own sin, we don't truly own 
that we are the chief of sinners that we know about, right? We tend to simply believe that our needs are not met. We don't see our sin. We see things as our needs not being met. We're not selfish. It's just someone is not meeting our needs, especially our spouse. And because my needs are not met, I have this righteous anger. The problem is we have not first seen our own sin. We have not seen, this is the root here, that what Paul is saying, that it's not yet trustworthy. We don't believe that we truly are this vile of a sinner. And one thing I want to help you see today is that you are that vile of a sinner. You are. It gets better, don't worry. Like many married believers, this will be done. We have melted down this statement from Paul into this right here. Christ Jesus, he came into the world to meet my needs. And he sent my spouse to meet my needs, my needs of which I have the most. Not that our sins are the issue, but our needs are the issue. Listen to this. This ongoing need for the Savior is exactly what professing Christians must hang on to. Dave Harvey says this. I don't have it on the screen. The cross makes a stunning statement about husbands and wives. We are sinners and our only hope is grace. Without a clear awareness of sin, we will evaluate the, our conflicts outside the biblical understanding of the biblical story, outside the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. Without the gospel of our crucified and risen Savior, our marriages slide toward the superficial, the idea of just meeting our needs at the point of our marriage. But once we find 1 Timothy 1.15 as trustworthy, once we embrace it with full acceptance, and we know that you and me are the, the worst of sinners, then my spouse is no longer my biggest problem. Because here's the deal. You are a better spouse when you realize that you are the worst of sinners. You are a better spouse when you understand who you truly are. And here's why. This leads to deep, deep humility, doesn't it? Deep humility. I was reading uh, this week um, about Paul uh, talking about fighting sin, about running the race, about beating his body for the prize, correct? But we do not think of sin in these kind of warlike terms, do we? We don't think of our sin as this really harmful thing. We think of this as like, this is the way I am. We justify our sin in so many superficial ways. And we don't fight our sin. We don't call ourselves what we are, which is the worst of sinners. So we have this double-headed monster happening where we're walking around sinning, being selfish. At the same time, we are full of pride, aren't we? And what happens in the midst of this, we're not owning our sin. And then we're mad at our spouse for not meeting our needs. And it creates this unhealthy pattern in our marriages. So we must know, um, we must own our sin as this first step. But second, we must understand what the true enemy is.
I can't tell you, this is true for you as it's true for me, how many times, um, do you know that kind of that, that first step in the house, like at six o'clock at night, it's been a long day, and you come in and uh, something is not as you had planned. This could just be me and my OCD self. I have no idea. Because I see it in my son, Connor. He's the same exact way. Like if, if one thing changes in the plan, he loses his mind. I'm the same way. So I come home, I'm driving home. I text Trace, hey, I'll be home about 30 minutes and start heading home. And I, I imagine I'm going to come home for some reason. And I think that, the, that there's going to be this perfectly clean like house you see in a commercial, right? Like it's the after of the HGTV, after they fix the house up, that's what I'm going to come home to. And uh, there's going to be this like great meal that's going to be cooked. My kids are going to be like in their pajamas, bathed already, ready to hug me and love me as I come in. And then I come home and none of that's real. It's stuff all over the place. There's toy kids are screaming. Tracy's like, be quiet. And she's cooking dinner. And it's just this, it's just chaos, correct? And, my, and, my, first, and my, my first reaction many times is to treat Tracy as the enemy there, right? To treat her as the enemy. But we must realize that our sin is the enemy. It's not our spouse. This is nothing new today. But we need to hear these things, that our spouse is not the enemy. It is sin. Many times um, our marriage problems are really just sin problems. Many times our marriage problems are really just sin problems. We think they're marriage issues, but really they're sin issues in our own hearts. Matthew 15, verse 18 says this. But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart, and this defiles a person. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual morality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. James 4 says this, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. Whatever comes up in your marriage through your words or through your deeds or lack thereof is coming from your heart, right? That what overflows from our mouth and our actions first was birthed in a sinful heart. And that sinful heart is what is the enemy. It is not your spouse's reaction to your sin. It is your sin that is the enemy. Uh, G.K. Chesterton was once asked in a, in a newspaper, what is the problem with the world? And we see this all the time in social, we have all kinds of answers for the problems in the world, correct? And we always say the problems are out there. It's that person, it's that thing, it's this right here. His response was a great picture of what we see in Paul in 1 Timothy 1.15. He said the response to what's wrong with the world was this right here. I am. What is wrong with your marriage 
It is you. It's you. Now, and I understand there are times of uh, abuse, physical, emotional. There's times of infidelity. I'm not justifying those things or saying stay in those kind of environments at all. But most problems in our marriages are rooted in our own sin. And until we deal with our own sin, we can't move forward in a healthy marriage. We can't just practice good communication or time away or this. Those are all good and right things. But if we're not seeing the true enemy in our marriage, that it's sin and that our spouse is really not this person to battle against, but this person to work together to battle our sin. We have to own our sin. We have to understand the true enemy. Next, we have to understand the battle. We have to understand the battle. We have to understand the battle. Have you heard the phrase, uh, the fog of war? It's something that happens in the midst of battle. And now I've never been in, in, in battle. Um, I've seen movies and I think about uh, the movie uh, Saving Private Ryan. Have you seen that movie before? And that opening scene um, is just, uh, it's hard to watch. Um, I went and saw, uh, or me and Sam and somebody else went and saw 1917, that what, that what it was? And it was just, this just puts you right in the perspective of um, these 18, 19 year old, 20 year old men, right? And they're in the midst of this, and they're experiencing this just, just chaos. And, and the fog of war is this thing in the midst of chaos. We do things that we would never do for survival because we're scared, because of all these different things happening in that moment. There is this real fog of war that leads us to acting out and lashing out and doing things we would never, ever do. And the war the war between um, our flesh and our spirit can seem like that, right? I'll give you an example. This isn't just a marriage thing. This is a life thing where there are times in my spiritual walk where um, it's like there's a haze because I'm discouraged at my sin and it's hard for me to just hang on and grasp the promise of the gospel. There is this real haze there. I was talking with uh, Dustin Hadley this morning. Dustin and Lacey um, work with our students, and they just had twins about four months ago. And I was, at, I was like, man, how are you doing? And he just kind of was like, uh, I'm okay. You know, and, uh, and it was just, just fog, right? You've had young kids for, and I can't imagine having two at the same time. I don't want to imagine that, actually. There's just this real fog you have. And hear this. There is a fog of war that we have in our spiritual life. And listen, that war is amplified in the context of our marriage because there's these two fogs happening. And many times in the midst of this fog of war, when we're lashing out because we're just struggling to grasp the truth of the gospel, we lash out at our spouse first. And they're one of the biggest kind of casualties in this fog of war. So what drives us here? What drives us to take actions that we regret? Look at Apostle Paul, Romans 7, it's in verse 22. He says here, 
So I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. Can we say amen to that? You get up at five in the morning to, to be with God and then everything breaks down in your life or in your mind. For I delight in the law of God in my inner being. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive. Here's a key here to the law of sin, to the law of sin that dwells in my members. R.C. Sproul says this. In one sense, life doesn't get, begin to get complicated until one becomes a Christian. Before you're a Christian, life is pretty uncomplicated. Live for yourself. Live for the law of sin. That's the only thing controlling you, right? When we are born of the Spirit, we are born anew into a fierce struggle between the old man and the new man. That resonates so much with me, right? Do you not feel like sometimes like you're a schizophrenic? Where there's these two things warring against you. We all resonate with this, but we don't give that same grace to our spouse. Because many times in our spouse's life, right, they are walking through this fog of war. Here's the thing about the fog of war. We don't really see or comprehend what is happening, and we're hurting each other with our sin, and we're fully unaware of it. And I think many of our marriages um, are not thriving because we are used to this fog of war. So this is just the way that it is. Many times you grew up with, with, with uh, parents. that This is how they fought, right? The fog of war was like the way life was. And you bring that same fog into your marriage now. You know, usually we are experts. We are experts at finding that law of sin in our spouse, right? If I put you, put you on a quiz right now, what are, what are the, the things that your spouse struggles with and sins? You can probably write 10 pages for me, right? We are great at that. But we're not so sharp at noticing that same activity in us, that same war in us. The law of sin can feel very much like simply who we are or the way we're wired. You know, I'm this kind of personality. You know, I'm this on the Enneagram. It's just who I am. Just get used to it. Deal with these things. But you, figure your stuff out now. After all, the commands of this law do not come from inside of us. But every married man or woman must be able to say with Paul, so I find it to be a law that when I want to do right, evil lies close at hand. This law is close at hand. This law of sin fighting against the law of the Spirit. So we must own our sin. We must understand the true enemy. We must understand the battle. And finally, we must fight the right battle in the right way. Fight the right battle in the right, bay, the right way. Hear this. Your spouse is not the battle. Hopefully by now, if you're talking about sin for 30 minutes, we understand that our spouse is not the battle. But listen, your marriage is the context for where many of your greatest battles with sin will be fought. Your marriage will be the context 
in a sense, I guess, the battlefield for where many battles of sin will be brought to the surface. Right? This is so easy to see. You get married. Oh, wait, we're different. We're both sinners. And it comes right to the forefront. But we tend to think then that our marriage is the battle. Our spouse is the battle. Listen. We must fight this battle with sin. We cannot look at this, entertain this, be apathetic. We must fight this battle. If we don't, it will overrun us and overrun our marriage. But here's a promise. So it's been a lot of bad news for this past 30 minutes, right? You're terrible, you're awful, all these things. But here's the promise that makes all the difference. By the cross of Jesus Christ, the battle has already been won. The battle has already been won. Listen to, to Romans 8 in this, this battle cry, so to speak. Romans 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Let me stop right there. If the God, we say God is holy, right? We believe that. That God was sinless. We believe that, correct? We believe that God was crucified because of our sin, correct? We believe all those things, I believe. Christian Orthodox views believes those things. If, if you're here today, you probably believe those things. If that is true, in this verse right here, there is therefore now no condemnation. We are the ultimate sinners and the perfect holy God that our sins crucified. He is saying there is no condemnation for us in Christ. If that holy God is saying there's no condemnation for us, how can we ever condemn our spouse? What is the leg that we have to stand on? If the holy, sovereign, perfect God does not condemn you and condemn me, the worst of sinners, how can we possibly condemn our spouses? I keep going. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. The law of sin is a real thing that we are still fighting, right? But hear this. The law of the Spirit has overcome the law of sin. We have the law of the Spirit living inside of us. So when we fight. We don't fight as an unforgiven person. We fight as a forgiven person and as a holy person. This morning I woke up and I just felt we have had sickness upon sickness in our house the past month, month and a half. And it has kept me out of things. I have missed out on things, not gotten things done. And there's just real sense of feeling like a failure almost. Do y'all feel that sometimes when you don't get things done, you want to get done like a failure, like a sinner. And that's true on some. I am a sinner and a failure on some level. And, and this morning I woke up at five this morning. And I drove to our office to just, to just really be alone and be with God. And I was reminded of this verse right here. There is no condemnation 
I am, I am forgiven. Yes, I repent and confess of my sins, but I come as a forgiven and as a holy person clothed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And friends, that is how we fight our sin. We don't fight it with willpower. We fight it with freedom by believing and declaring who we are in Christ. We fight as a forgiven person, not a person trying to earn forgiveness. No matter how intense this battle with sin is, and there are times in your life, in my life, in your spouse's life, when they feel so low from the effects and the consequences of sin. Those are real. It feels so hard. But we still, we fight as a forgiven, clothed in the righteousness of Jesus, sinner. Here's a marriage secret. It's a little secret. Forgiven people, people who live in their forgiveness, who lean in their forgiveness, they forgive easy. Right? Forgiven people forgive easy. And I will tell you, forgiving easy in a marriage is like honey. It's like, it's, it's the sweetness in a marriage. It's this thing that makes marriage, in a, in a sense, joyful and life-giving. When there is forgiveness in a marriage. When my spouse looks at me when I have failed her and failed our kids and says, I love you and I forgive you because she knows her forgiveness, that makes marriage really, really sweet. So I'm going to call up Leighton Laurie in just one second, uh, and they're going to just kind of sh- share part of their story. Um, but two things. I, I have two steps of application for us today as we think about fighting sin in our marriage that I would encourage all of you this week to take with your spouses. Two steps to fight sin in your marriage this week. Okay, that's not working. So let's write this down. First, confess sins to your spouse every night this week. This is what I would do. We put kids to bed. We have kids. We put them to bed. If we don't stop right then and do something useful, it's not going to happen. If we give it 30 minutes, one of us will be asleep. I'll tell you that right now. So whatever, after dinner, maybe morning time, but find some time every day to literally tell your spouse how you've sinned and specifically how you've sinned against them. Practice confession. Practice openness. Confession is how we fight, truly. Exposure is how we fight, right? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Make it a practice to confess your sins to your spouse. And last thing, forgive your spouse of their sins and then remind them of their forgiveness in Christ. It's very simple. Confess your sins, forgive each other, and then remind each other of your forgiveness in Christ. I would encourage you to do that every night this week. My prayer is that this kind of this kind of dialogue in our marriage, this kind of language in our marriages is just normal. It's normal for us to say, yeah, I blew it. And for us to go from there and then do the work that God has called us to do. I'm going to invite Leighton Laurie up real quick. <clears throat>